Welcome to the Green Edge podcast with Michael Cross and me, Fraser Harper. This is our update for the week ending 4th of August 2023. In this week's Green Edge post, we're returning to a theme we talked about earlier in the summer. Is this summer? We may have missed it. About hidden green skills. So what are we banging on about? Well, as we say in the post, studies over the last five years or so by the Climate Change Committee, the Green Jobs Task Force, the Resolution Foundation and others have turned up some interesting stats and projections on green jobs and skills, but these are only based on what they could see at the time. And we've had our suspicions for some time now that there's a lot of green stuff around this area that might be underrepresented, underreported or simply hidden from view. Michael, what are we talking about here? Well, we're talking about a series of jobs, and I was trying to find a general phrase for them, because we've listed 10, and we'll pick out seven to start with, around leveraging net zero activity in some shape or form. And therefore, they're invariably managerial roles or convening roles, largely in single organizations and sometimes across organizations. So we're talking about roles across the whole of a supply chain, talking about roles that are providing the information to allow people to have an accurate view of emissions, therefore around carbon accounting. But I wouldn't stress the word accounting. It's the carbon counting I would actually stress more than anything else. And we can go through that type of list of roles. And we're looking for people to respond to it because these are the ones we don't see coming up in the job ads when people do analysis of that. Because to some extent, job ad goes out I'm declaring myself to the open labour market. I have a vacancy. These are ones we tend not to see rapidly shooting up those tables. Now, are they being filled internally and people are morphing into these jobs through other routes? We don't know, but they seem to be very important in terms of delivering net zero. And as I say, we picked out seven that could be the leveraging ones. I know you want to pick out two or three others, which are slightly different in their nature. You also mentioned areas like circular economy, nature-based solutions, renewable energy infrastructure, adaptation, resilience, planning, and material science and chemistry, didn't you? Exactly. Now, we feature in our post a presentation which was also included in our most recent reports roundup and was part of a CDFOP event in July called Greenovation Meets Skills Anticipation, Policy Lessons for Making the Green Transition Happen. Ah, those wacky Europeans. Anyway, the presentation featured its own list of what we might consider as less obvious green occupations. And in particular, it produced a list of jobs in a category it called hearts and minds. So, Michael, this is about jobs dealing with citizen engagement for sustainability, correct? It is. It's about behaviour change. It's about engaging people in the process of change and equipping people to make their own logical decisions. In addition to that, there's also around the whole nature of policy formation and the whole advocacy around new regulations and standards. And these require multiple groups of people, multiple stakeholders to be consulted, involved and informed. And perhaps we could argue that the um, by-election in Uxbridge was a good example of the lack of certain types of engagement and understanding as to why we need clean air let alone the environmental and broader aspects when it comes to climate change. That came down to a monetary thing, really, didn't it? 
yes, if people can be bribed to a larger extent to change their vehicles, it, it didn't really affect 10% of drivers. And the scrappage scheme was actually quite small, relatively speaking. But we're getting there. There's obviously a discussion to be had. Now, there's a just transition element to this too, isn't there? Just as an example, we were talking with Tony Wilson at the Institute of Employment Studies the other day as part of our city and guilds work. And Tony was talking about advanced manufacturing as being perhaps good for a region in terms of revenue, but not in terms of jobs, since much of it is done by machines rather than people. And the type of people that high value manufacturing does need tend to be the highly qualified ones that might move into, let's say, a leveled up area and take advantage of the good lifestyle on offer. We certainly saw that in the Northeast after the mining industry got butchered up there in the 80s. You're right. And there are potentially two aspects, I think. I think there's the negative impact of some of these changes on people's lifestyles that aren't properly thought through at the present time. And there's also the issue of closing off of opportunities to people to engage with the new jobs, new roles that emerge, because some of the sectors that are going to transition, say on the energy side, are heavily dominated by white males. And there is lots of opportunities. And a lot of that is about geography. But in the end of the day, I think we need to change how we manage this. The beauty of the transition, I feel, though, is lots of roles will be generated in lots of locations. And a reminder that you can find this week's post with reference to those nice people at the Nudge Unit on greenedge.substack.com. And you can also find this podcast on all the major streaming platforms, including Apple, Google and Amazon. Now, Michael, we don't talk much about nuclear on the Green Edge, uh, but perhaps we should after an announcement by HMGov this week. You're right. Uh, the government have announced the setting up of a, another task force because of a priority sector around nuclear, both on the defence side and on the civil side. And our interest is around, obviously, energy and renewable energy, but also the fact that this makes no reference to the Green Jobs Delivery Group. Now, if we take the civil nuclear industry, it employs around 65,000 people. Now, for that to stand still, it needs to find 50,000 recruits in the next 25 years with no growth whatsoever. The government is projecting significant growth and replacement of nuclear energy generation. And that will require the minimum of 75,000 people additional joining and probably upwards of 150,000 people. And some have even gone higher than that. Now, the thing that strikes us a bit strange here is, yes, those are really quite hard numbers. They're also in a House of Commons Select Committee report. But there's no reference to the Green Jobs Delivery Group, nor its themed work on power and networks. And you'd have thought these pieces of work need to be brought together. Because I think what they're starting to highlight is the constraints are on our ability to make the transition around the numbers of skilled people. Heaven forbid we should talk about joined up thinking. Anyway, our pal Rishi has also put the cat among the pigeons this week with the carbon capture announcement and the new oil and gas licenses for the North Sea, hasn't he? He has. Let's leave the licenses aside for a second. The carbon capture and storage is really interesting because the jobs component of that is quite significant. Because you're talking about the manufacture of tanks and pumps, heat exchangers, column vessels and the like. And two reports came out and were released literally the last few days. One was held back by WSP, which actually delivered to the department in July 22, but was held back till now. And a more recent piece by Arup. And that looks in great detail at the value chain of 
carbon capture and storage and the nature of the investment and the jobs it will, I think, largely protect rather than add. And the figure that comes through from the Arab work is around about 330,000 people will be involved in this chemical energy complex because it's the overlap of the two worlds. And the very fact a lot of this investment, of course, will be going into the steel industry, cement industry, and probably the paper sector as well. Now, I haven't managed to read through both those full reports yet to actually find out do they come up with any proper projections and skills aspects in any detail. But I think it's a really interesting development. And it's the first time we've seen that really promoted. The announcement of this week was predominantly for monies going into both Aberdeen and also into the Humber side. And the piece of context for us is to read the Equinor Social and Environmental Impact Report, Equinor being the big Norwegian oil and gas business. It has been capturing carbon since 1996 at an annual rate of about a million tonnes. So for some reason, this has been going on quite successfully. So we should be able to translate this to a regionally larger scale that might be necessary to ensure we can make the transition. Let's not talk about the new oil and gas licences. I think you've been talking on LinkedIn about that, haven't you? I have. And I drew down a very good quote from Chris Skidmore, who politely said this was the wrong decision at the wrong time in the wrong direction. I'm just looking at Chris Skidmore's response. He said, it is on the wrong side of a future economy that will be founded on renewable and clean industries and not fossil fuels. It is on the wrong side of modern voters who will vote with their feet at the next general election for parties that protect and not threaten our environment. And it's on the wrong side of history that will not look favorably on the decision taken today. He then goes on to say, worryingly, this decision has also been announced when MPs are on recess, unable to hold the government to account. That doesn't sound too polite to me. Any other business, Michael? I don't think so, other than to say it was rather nice to see that Alistair Cunningham, one of our former colleagues, is going to be teaching the very subjects dear to our heart at Trinity St. David in the University of Wales. Excellent. Congratulations to him. Congratulations indeed. Okay, let's crack on. Places to go, people to see. Thank you for listening to this Green Edge podcast. This podcast series accompanies the Green Edge newsletter, to which you can subscribe at greenedge.substack.com. The Green Edge is produced by Blue Mirror Insights. 